Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Annareth Bolton, CEO of Stellenbosch Wine Roots, about their experiential Stellenbosch blogger campaign that was on for a week and by all accounts was an enormous success. Events organizer Darielle Robertson will be on the line and she'll be telling us about the upcoming Feast of Shiraz and Charcuterie taking place at Hartenberg Estate, also in Stellenbosch. And then it's off to Clan William with Nigel Mercure, chairperson of the Clan William 200 Years Celebrations Committee. And finally, I'll be chatting with freelance writer Will Edgecombe about a trip he did around South Africa to find out where the ghosts roam, and we'll be touching on just a small percentage of the available ghostly tours on offer. And just a reminder that if you need any information about something you hear on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM, or you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to Travel with Karen Key. The experiential Stellenblog blogger campaign kicked off with a digital bang on Monday the 5th of May with some of the most influential international and national bloggers uncovering and digitally sharing the secrets and stories of South Africa's oldest and foremost wine route in the world. Joining me now is Annareth Bolton, CEO of Stellenbosch Wine Routes. Annareth, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. Thank you for having me. You must still be smiling. Absolutely. Listen, we, we launched a year-long campaign, but the highlight really was about two weeks ago when we had our international bloggers here, joined by some local, local bloggers, and we called the whole week or the whole campaign um, Blog and hashtag Blog on Twitter, and it was a major, major success. We really are smiling. I was actually reading some information that by the 5th of May, which was actually the launch day, it, the, the, the campaign had already generated a digital reach of 20 million opportunities to see content generated via Twitter. I mean, that's enormous. I know. Today, we, we, we got a report today. We're standing on 40 million. We're just over 40 million opportunities to see. So what that really is, is on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. You know, it means every time that people were, were talking about selling blog. On Monday the 5th, when we had um, our bloggers here, they arrived and they then stayed in the in the villa in, in Stellenbosch for a week. We also had a tweet up, and that Monday night we had a big party in the villa with about a 200 local guests and, and visitors from Cape Town and bloggers and influencers and media. That night at, at 8 o'clock, we were trending in South Africa. More people were talking about Stellenbosch. And about Oscar Pistorius or about elections or anything else. That's amazing. Were about Stellenbosch. <laughs> Gosh, that's incredible. And something like this, I mean, it must have a huge impact tourism wise on an area like Stellenbosch. Absolutely. We, we're very busy at the moment with our winter campaign as well. And it's all about getting people to talk about Stellenbosch again, you know. Sometimes you come a, become a bit complacent. And especially for the local market, it's very important for us that. You know, people come and visit us, and then especially for the international market, uh, specifically our international bloggers that we flew in were from Germany, the Netherlands, UK, and the USA, which are our four biggest markets. And what we're trying to achieve with this year-long campaign is for people to make Stellenbosch their base when they come to South Africa and to the Western Cape. 
What we're saying is come and stay in Stellenbosch. It's so close to the airport. It's got so much to offer and so much more than just mountains and vineyards and wine. Um, you know, we've got so many more activities, and it's a beautiful base to then go to Hermanus, to go to Cape Town, to go to Paul, to go to Fonchuk, but to come back at night, stay in Stellenbosch, eat in our restaurants. You know, it's, we're so child-friendly. We have so many activities, you know, more for the adrenaline junkies, um, art, literature, sport, uh, nature. There's so much to do. And I really think the awareness, you know, people are aware of Stellenbosch. They're talking about us again. The people that you brought out here, was it their first time to South Africa, the bloggers, or had they been here before? Um, two of them had never been, and they just had a wonderful time. Some of them had been to South Africa, but not to Stellenbosch. And it was just such a heartwarming week, you know, to, for instance, to sit in, in a local in a local little boutique hotel like Majeka House and to sit there with these bloggers and for them to say, this is the best breakfast they have ever had. Not in South Africa, not in Salamash, ever, like in the world. Or for them to, you know, to cook with Mama Lily in, in Kayamandi and learn how to make pop and stew and marocho and spinach and to take pictures with the children and play a bit of soccer. And, you, you know, to, to meet the locals and connect with the locals and to leave there going, this was the highlight of their trip. And, you know, they had dinners with winemakers, with local musicians. They went surfing. They could stroke cheetahs. They went hiking in Yonkers Hook. It was so experiential and it was so unique. And that's just all about showing it's not just wine tasting, wine tasting, wine tasting. There's much more for us to offer you in Stellenbosch. Now, listening to that, uh, I'm surprised you managed to get them on a plane after a week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Luckily, how it worked is there was there was literally a week open between WTM Africa and Indaba and Durban. So on Friday, we literally had to climb on the plane to go to Durban, to go to the tourism in Indaba. Otherwise, they wouldn't have left. I'm sure about <laughs> Doesn't that. Doesn't sound like it. Gosh. So, I mean, what sorts of, I mean, you, you've told me um, what, they, what, they, what they all did. What things have you found has, has generated the most interest that they were doing here? You know, looking at what, what they were doing on the blogs. Yes. So definitely the Kaimandi, you know, connecting with locals and seeing how locals live and um, getting to know locals, they absolutely love that. Cooking with a local, you know. We did a cooking demo as well where they could learn how to make curries and rotis and with a with a local bunny from Edis Valley. That was amazing. They loved that. They loved meeting the winemakers and having very, very personal experiences with them. The cheetahs, obviously, they um, they went feeding time. They could go and stroke the cheetahs with the with the cheetah encounters, which is just fantastic. They love that. They stayed in a beautiful villa in Donier um, in their homestead, so they had private time. It's very important, you know, when you have bloggers around that they have private time to actually create content. That was what is about. Um, they have to they have to write blogs for us. Tweet, Facebook, Pinterest, um, write stories, YouTube videos. That's all it's about. And these blogs and these stories keep coming, you know. They've now left, but they are armed with pictures and stories. And the whole point is that they go and tell um, their followers. You know, the one, the, the German blogger that was here, 8 million people reads his blog. Good heavens. So, you know, the, the type of exposure we are expecting for the rest of the year is just massive. This is obviously the way to go as far as advertising tourism, if you like. I mean, it's very different, say, from even five years ago. 
You know, I think that the, the days of placing an advertisement in the magazine or, you know, dropping a brochure at an embassy, those things are still important. But for me, travel has become, people want to know from their friends, it's worth a word of mouth. And you want to you wanna trust a local. You, if you're going to Barcelona tomorrow, you want to find a local there to say, where can I hang out? Where do I eat? What do the locals do? Where do I go? Where's the best shopping spot? So you want to connect with locals, and you want to connect with somebody who's been there. For me to say that Stellenbosch is the most awesome place in the world, people go, yeah, well, that's her job. You know, she gets a salary <laughs> to say that. Not really. I'm but, sure you'd say it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. But if a if a if a professional traveller and a blogger mm. and a writer says that, if 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 Neve Shields who comes from Ireland who's got one of the biggest food blogs in the UK, if she says to her readers, "Listen, guys, I've been to Stellenbosch. The food scene is phenomenal. You will not be disappointed. It is the gourmet capital of South Africa." Her readers are going to believe her, and they're going to come here to experience it for themselves. That's so that was the whole premise of it. That's why things like TripAdvisor are so are so popular as well. That kind of thing. Exactly. It's all about being believable, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 not just everybody talking off a press release all the time. Yeah. So I mean, this is, as I said, a huge thing. Are you likely to do it again? Oh, absolutely! And the bloggers are knocking down our doors. <laughs> Everybody's going, how do I get in next year? But everybody wants to come to the blogger party. Um, the bloggers want to come and stay in the house. They want to be invited. People want to know how it works. Yeah, it's been a phenomenal success. We've obviously had wonderful partners. We we have um, some wine farms and guest houses and restaurants in Stellenbosch that are partners. But we also had Swifty Car Rental driving people around. Beacon Bay stocked the house for a week. Athlete Host gave us connectivity. Obviously, it's extremely important for these guys to have Wi-Fi um, all the time. They have to be connected. Fly SAA gave us um, tickets to fly in. SA Tourism supported the whole initiative. It's been wonderful. Without them, we would never have been able to do it. And I also mentioned there were some local bloggers as well. So how did you choose those? Because, I mean, there's loads of them here. Absolutely. We had a local blogger, Ilza Finamarva. She's the food fox, and she lives in Stellenbosch. Her husband is a musician, so she knows the area so well. And what we then did is for the sixth place, we kept that open, and we created a lot of hype um, on Twitter, and we basically said, you have to tell us why you should be the sixth blogger. So we created a lot of interest. People were really interested to, to, to come and be blogger number six. And eventually we, we chose a, a, another blogger to come and join us. Yeah, so I think next year this time the, the interest is going to be massive and people really want to come and stay here. And now the beauty is that if you find all of this interesting, you would like to have the same experience, you can do that. As a normal member of the public, we will set it up for you. You can just come to Stellenbosch and we will put an amazing program together for you. Now, if people want to still find out what you've been doing over that week, um, is there still somewhere that they can go and look at all the stuff? Where would they find all of this information? Absolutely. They can visit our blog. It's uh, www.blog.wineroot.co.za. Or they can just go to our normal website, which is just wineroot.co.za, and then they can just go and follow the social stream, which is on there. There's beautiful blogs and pictures and Instagram pictures and yeah, it's beautiful. So I don't think you've lost out because it's all over and happened. Um, you can still go and find out exactly what's going on in Stellenbosch. And next time, keep your eye open for next year's grand event. It sounds like it's definitely going to be happening again. 
Absolutely, but also if the, if the listeners want to go and visit our blog, they will um, see that there's beautiful winter specials coming on. We do every two days about, we do a new blog about, there's now Big Father's Day promotions coming on. Today we've got a beautiful blog about local crafters and everything they're getting up to. We've got a beautiful art campaign at the moment in Stellenbosch called Come Fit, with little benches that 26 different artists, um, artists did. There's so much going on. So if you follow our blog, you'll be up to date and you will see everything that's going on. Well, Anna, it sounds like it was an enormous success. Congratulations. And um, long may you continue doing this. Thank you very much. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak to you. We'll chat to you again next time. Thanks so much for your Absolutely. time this evening. Good Thank night to you. you. Okay, bye. Anna Ruth Bolton is the CEO of Stellenbosch Wine Roots. And if you'd like to find out more about the campaign or to see what was on there, you can visit the Stellen blog and it's www.blog.wineroot.co.za or you can just take a look at the Stellenbosch Wine Roots website, which is www.wineroot.co.za. Well, just let me tell you that government's officials pla official plans for the presidential inauguration taking place on the 24th of May, that's this coming Saturday, in the Nelson Mandela Amphitheatre at the Union Buildings are underway. All South Africans are encouraged to be part of this momentous occasion in our country, remembering that we are still celebrating 20 years of democracy and the inauguration is the culmination of those 20 years and comes after another peaceful election. Those who cannot attend will be able to follow proceedings on television and radio at, or at 47 public view areas in the provinces. SAFM will be broadcasting the inauguration of the president on Saturday and at this stage it's envisioned that the broadcast will be taking place from about 10 until 1 o'clock. Right and before we continue I have to just tell you that I received a, a sort of travel advisory this, this afternoon and it's apparently as of yesterday morning tourists who favoured Thailand for their dream getaway have been warned that the army has declared martial law and as a result soldiers have taken over the mass media and have also blocked several roads in Bangkok and its surroundings. Martial law has been declared apparently due to constant tensions between government and opposition demonstrators. And it says there that there could be lots of more extreme measures taking place. So if you're wanting to go over there, I suggest you make inquiries before you leave. It says here as well that the current protests have stirred up a hornet's nest since early January, causing a significant disruption to the access routes across the areas in question. And the current hotspots, now you please forgive my pronunciation, the current hotspots are wretched. Ratchet Damnun Avenue and the Chang Wata Complex. Protesters also go for certain government buildings as well as some private companies. And as of yesterday morning, um, tourists who favoured Thailand for their dream getaway have warned that really it is not the best place to be going right now. So I suggest you make some inquiries before if you've got tickets booked or if you're currently about, literally about to leave, I recommend that you get in touch with your travel advisor or some travel authorities and just find out exactly what is going on there. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, Clan William was the first known as Jan Dusselsfalle, but was changed in 1814 by Sir John Craddock, who named it after his father-in-law. It must have made him very popular with his wife. And the father-in-law was the Earl of Clan William. Therefore, 2014 marks their 200 years celebrations with events taking place throughout the year. Nigel McCure is the chairperson of the Clan William 200-year celebrations committee, and he joins me now. Nigel, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Karen. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on your 200 years. I'm sure you weren't there at the beginning, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 200 years is a, is a few years ago. Just a few years ago. Um, but uh, Clan William is one of those towns, uh, once you visit Clan William, it sort of swallows you and 
somehow you can't stay away from it. There seems to be so much going on there, though, Nigel. I mean, I was looking through some information. I mean, there's, I mean, you've got the dam there that is literally, I think, it's the most popular dam in the Western Cape for water skiing, for example. Well, Glen William doesn't only have the dam. I mean, the dam is a wonderful facility, and people mm. flock from all over the show to come and, you know, do water sports and so forth on our dam. But that's only one of the many, many activities mm. that we can offer. For instance, we've got bouldering in the Cedarburg Mountains. We have a lot of walking trails. I mean, the Cedarburg Mountains in itself is fantastic. Um, and, you know, one of the main things, and I'm not even from Glen William originally, is just the fact that if you walk in town, if you speak to the local people, it, it just has an awesome vibe that you cannot really explain to someone who hasn't experienced it. The other thing that I really like about a place like Clan William is the fact that you've got all these old buildings. And I love old buildings, and you've got lots of those. Yeah, we do have some old buildings. And, in fact, right now, because we're celebrating the 200 years, um, there's actually a, a good few um, tours that uh, people can undertake through the historical part of town. Um, and we have the old jail, which is, you know, which is very popular amongst tourists. So, yeah, it, it's got a bit of everything. If you're a young person looking for adventure, you can come here. If you're an older person who just wants to meander around and just experience some of the culture and heritage and history, Glen William is definitely one of the towns for you. In fact, it's the town. Now you mentioned the old jail, and that was actually used as a garrison during the Anglo-Boer War, and it's now a museum. Yeah, it's a museum, um, and it's a very interesting museum. In fact, um, right now they're also having a, a rooibos yes. um, sort of expo there where you, can, where you can experience the history and the whole vibe around, you know, the growing of rooibos and, you know, with the types of rooibos that they have on offer and so on. It's really, it's really fantastic. Well, this, that's the, the, the thing about Clan William. I'm not sure if people know that it's the only area in the world where rooibos is grown. Yeah, and you know what, you know, when um, I go to my hometown or to Cape Town or whatever, people will always ask me, please bring some <laughs> bring some rooibos from Clan William because, you know, it's become so synonymous, the town has become so synonymous with rooibos. And um, it's difficult to explain really to someone who hasn't been here and who hasn't experienced it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Now, you just recently had your big Cedarburg rooibos arts festival. Yes, we had the arts festival. Um it was, it was, how can I say it now? We have the arts festival every year, but this year um, we just jacked it up a little bit. We had more uh, productions. We, we just had more to offer to the tourists. And we also had a, what they call the Fiestafel, which is um, where, we, where we put a big marquee tent up in the, in the oldest street in Glen William, which is called Park Street. And we had about 300 people in that tent, and we had awesome performers there and, you know, speeches and people who told the history of Glen William and so on. Um, the Cedarburg Festival, Festival was absolutely great, but, you know, that's only one of the number of mm. events that we're going to have throughout the year. Um, so, so there's still the Flower Festival, which is very popular, you know, when we have the wildflowers and people flock again from all over the show. Um, and then we have our fitness festival, which I think draws over 800 participants in a triathlon-type event, um, which is sponsored by Roy Boss. It's, it's, it's actually um, not only a one-party type of celebration, we're celebrating throughout the year. So it's a full year of celebrations. Yeah, but I must also say that we've been very clear in our 200-year you know, 
organizing committee that we don't just want to have parties and, you know, have a liquor career and afterwards um, go home and so forth. We we want to actually leave a legacy. We want to be able to say, you know, when Clan Williams celebrated its 200 years um, birthday, we were able to leave a legacy for our children, whether it be through empowering entrepreneurs or, um, you know, assisting with, planting of 200 trees, you know, those kinds of developmental programs that um, we actually need to do over and above just having a party. So what sort of things are you putting in place, Nigel? Yeah, for instance, we're definitely going to be planting 200 trees. Um, And then, you know, what's so phenomenal is the fact that the community has become so um, involved in the Clan William 200. So churches are starting to do their own things. Um, private businesses are starting to do things like, um, for instance, the other day I saw on on Facebook that um, one organization was actually starting a knitting group where they're going to be knitting 200 um, garments for underprivileged kids and so on. And, and there's also pro- programs like uh, empowering entrepreneurs, you know, um, getting homestays up and running. Um, we want everyone to feel that they own tourism and they own Clan William and that it's not only for a select few people. I really like that. So it's, it's 200 years celebrating for the whole year, but after the year's over, the, as you said, there will still be a legacy left behind, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, we, we had a – when we started planning this whole Clan William 200 – uh, festival, we we thought of a catchphrase or a slogan, and we came up with the, and forgive my Afrikaans, but it's actually called Stop Sam, which means walking Walk together. together. Mm. You know, we've we've been privileged to come along for the past 200 years, but the most important thing is the next 200 years, we want to stop Sam, we want to walk together. Um, and I think that, that has got a nice ring to it, and it's not just about having a party. It's about being responsible. It's, it's about thinking ahead. So if people wanted to come up during this year, Nigel, what, you know, other than all the celebrations, you mentioned all the other sort of outdoor sports and adventure things that they can do. What sort of things can people do if they come up there? Um, well, if they just want to come, you know, on holiday, we, we have excellent accommodation ranging from five-star to a backpacker's. Um, so our accommodation facilities are good. They can, of course, come and enjoy the dam and the environment. Um, and um, there's, you know, for me, as as a person who wasn't originally, you know, born in Clan William, I think just a walk through the town, um, through the main street. I don't know if you've seen the main street of Clan William, but mm-hmm. it's an old street. You know, it looks like the uh, the the tar is falling apart and so on, but it's 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 such a um, a special feeling to be able, you know, to experience it. So there's a lot to do for any tourist, you know, even from the oldest person to a young uh, guy who wants adventure. There's there's something for everyone. You've also got a lot of history in the people that have come from Clan William. I mean, it's it's basically home originally to C. Louis Leipold. There was a well-known poet. There's Dr. Lafrance Nokia. He was the amateur botanist who discovered the value of rooibos. And even, I'm sure a lot of people will know from television, Tola Fanamerva, who is the most hysterically funny. He's a storyteller of note. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't know that he comes from Clan William. Yeah, and um, if you come to Clan William, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of Tola-related things that you can do. There's also the old building where Tola um, used to have his shop, and there's exhibitions about Tola van Merve and so on. So people can experience that. 
uh, you know, people can interact with. You know, even Tola's family is still in Clan William. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. There was one slightly sad moment, though, um, Nigel, I read about, that you have your Scarp Corp com- a world record attempt. Uh, you do th- did that this. You didn't quite make, which is the sheep's head that you eat. <laughs> you didn't quite yeah. make the, the number. You were a bit short there. Yeah, I think the target was 340, if I'm not mistaken. Something but like that, yeah. Yeah, they, they just fell short of that target. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure that's not the biggest disappointment no, because <laughs> then they can at least come back and read Do it again. You know, try again for next year. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I just thought, you know, you're doing so many things and that just seemed to be quite a fun thing for the town to try to do, you know, break the world record of eating sheep's heads. Yeah, I'm, I must be honest with you. I, I'm a little bit, you know, hesitant to try. To yeah, you're try not the that. only one. I don't think I would have been there that day either. Yeah, so. yeah, but, but you know what? There's a there's a, a whole lot of people who are actually very into this thing, mm. and um, I don't think we should uh, just discard that that idea. Maybe it's something that one should perhaps attempt. Maybe next we year. should try it. Yes, maybe I'll, we should. I'll send you an invite. Oh, thank you that? so much, Nigel. I think I'm busy that day. Actually, <laughs> <I thought you laughs> almost sure I'm busy that day. The other thing that I also wanted to mention because this is something that I've I tell a lot of people about, and they always they never knew is that it's just about 75 kilometers east of Clan William is. Wuppertal, and they they are very famous for one thing in particular, which is a very South African thing. Yeah, well, Wuppertal, you know, I was, uh, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm very fortunate to have a wife who actually reigns from that area. Um, but Wuppertal is, is an amazing place. It's a little um, Moravian mission station. Um, it's got wonderful rooibos that's being grown there. It's also got a shoe factory where the first Falskuna yes. were made, and they still um, make them there. They they still do, they still do, and uh, you know people go to Wuppertal, um, especially to go and to go and purchase those shoes. So lots of, I mean, it's one of those places that every time we mention something else, people say, "Oh, really?" Because I mean, the Roybos comes from there, Falskuna just from outside of there, just literally seventy five k's east of Clan William. So there's a lot of things that we as South Africans know, and it's very much in the South African psyche, but we don't never really know where they come from. And now, I'm, hopefully, we've enlightened them. This is where they come from. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the that's the nice thing about this Clan William two hundred celebrations because. Um, the 200 is a nice tag to latch other things onto, you know, because mm. we're getting exposure and people are reading about it, people are hearing about it on the radio. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have thought about coming to this area, but hopefully now um, they actually have a good reason to actually say, okay, enough about thinking, let's actually get into our cars and drive here. And I don't think they'll regret it for one second. Well, it sounds like you've got a very busy year ahead of you, Nigel. And if people want to find out more, is there a website that they can go to to find out more stuff? Yeah, there's a website. Um, there's a Cedarburg to See website. You can just type in Cedarburg to See. There's also a Facebook page, which is uh, devoted to Clan William 200. So if you go onto Facebook, you type in Clan William 200, you'll find it there. Um, and yeah, if you just Type in Clan William, I'm sure a lot of things will pop up, but mostly the Facebook page is um, of great relevance and also Cedarburg to see website, which gives a whole lot about Clan William, but also gives a bit of information about the surrounding areas as well, which I think um, is important from a, 
regional sort of point of view. Absolutely. It sounds like a wonderful destination. It's got to be something on everybody's bucket list for this year. So hopefully they'll all be coming to visit you. I think it's a wonderful place to go and discover. And as you hopefully have learned tonight, there's a lot more there to see than I'm sure you ever imagined. Nigel, thank you so much for joining me this evening and for enlightening us all a little bit more about Clan William. And enjoy your your year. And uh, congratulations once again on your 200 years. Thank you very much. And thanks for the opportunity to share a bit of our um, beautiful town and a beautiful region and um, all the best to you guys as well thank you nigel have a good evening okay cheers, thanks man. a lot good Bye-bye. night to you nigel mccure is the chairperson of the clan william 200 year celebrations committee and as he said if you'd like to find out more you can take a look at www.cedarburg to c that's cedarburg and then t-o Two and then C S E A. So Cedarburg two C altogether. Co.za or otherwise have a look at Facebook. Clan William two hundred. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, coming up on Saturday, the 7th of June, is this year's Feast of Shiraz and Charcuterie taking place at Hartenberg Estate in Stellenbosch. Well, to tell us more, I'm joined now by events organiser Dariel Robertson. Dariel, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening to you. So, this year's Feast of Shiraz and Charcuterie, it just sounds divine. Tell me. Oh, my word. It is, <laughs> it's a match made in heaven, I can tell you that much, especially in winter. I mean, we've got 14 of the top Shiraz producers in South Africa that are going to be pouring um, all their Shiraz-based and their Shirazes. Um, and we've got all the top charcuterie guys. We've got olives. We've got cheeses. Um so we really have a fantastic mix of food and wine. Um, it's 180 rand a person, and you can buy your tickets on web tickets, or you can come buy them at the door. Um, it really is just a fantastic way to meet the winemaker and learn more about the wine. And I think what happens these days is there's so many festivals out there, yet there are very few festivals where we keep the numbers low and keep it exclusive so that you do get time to speak to um, speak to the winemakers and actually get to learn something. You're talking about low numbers. How many? We look at about 600 people. Gosh, and, and it's one day only, so you can't think, well, if I can't make it on Saturday, I'll pop along on Sunday. It is only on Saturday, the 7th of June, from 12 until 5. It's only only on Saturday, yes. Right. We also, if, if the weather's playing along and if everyone's having a good time, we usually carry on a little bit later, <laughs> but we just play that by ear. I'm sort of wondering how you manage to get people to leave when they're sort of indulging in Shiraz and charcuterie. I think it's getting me to leave. That's the problem. Oh, is it you? So. Oh, are you the problem? Oh, right. Well, as long as I'm there, people should look out for you and hang around <laughs> no with you. No one has to go anywhere. Well, I'm just saying, people should find you that day, and if you if you there, sort of hang around you, and then if they if you're not going anywhere, they won't have to go anywhere either. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's very hard to leave when you've got the top Shirazes in the country, all under one roof. So we talk about Shiraz and charcuterie. For those who aren't aware of what charcuterie is, it's basically just meat. It's meats, yes, different it's- meats. Yes, um, but we only work with artisanal suppliers, Mm. so with guys that are doing it themselves. So the guy that actually prepares the meat is standing behind his stand. And we've got amazing people there. I mean, we have Neil Jewelry. He is the king of charcuterie and probably the leading charcuterie producer in the country. I mean, he really is great, and and he'll be there. So, And you know what? They love the day. They have such fun. They've all got a glass in their hand. They're all enjoying the wine. So they're willing to talk to you. I mean, you can have you can have the best time going around talking to the charcuterie producers, just learning all about the craft. And it really is a craft. It's 
something really special. Now, you mentioned the number of wine estates that were going to be there. This is all taking place. They're all coming to Hartenburg, though. Yes, that's correct. And it's all all going to to be in one venue. Um, Yeah, and it's it's quite, like I said, it's such a different event because everyone is friendly. So all the winemakers seem to have the best time ever. I mean, we invite them to the show, and within two seconds, everyone jumps on board and says, yes, we'll be there. We love it. Um, and that is the great thing about the event. You'll see everyone's in a good mood, everyone's in high spirits. Um, and we have the best Shiraz and the best charcuterie, the best cheeses, the best olives, and the best bread there. So you really can't go wrong. It is, it's, it's just the highest standards that we have the in che- a relaxed atmosphere with great live music. And the cheese and olives are coming in from where? Do you know? They are South African. Um, We've got Wild Peacock that's bringing in all their different um, cheeses. We've got Krishna bringing her olives. I don't know if you've ever tasted Christmas olives. They're just amazing. They really are fantastic. Um, We've got Eustenberg coming in with their chocotry. We have got Le Petit France will be there with their um, cheeses. And Madame Fromage with their cheeses. Right, and there's also going to be chefs from various restaurants and bistros and cafes, so there's going to be a lot to eat to soak up all that wonderful Shiraz. Definitely, absolutely. Is this a but family? Everyone f- that is there um, is everyone that has, has got a product there. The person that's made the product will be standing behind their stand, and that's what makes it special. Oh, that's actually rather nice. Mm, yeah, it's, it really it's, it's very, it per- it's a very personal. Yeah, because when you. When you talk to people standing behind their stands and they've they've made it themselves and it's their product, there's there's a there's a passion and there's a fire that's that's there and and it just makes it makes the show a far more interesting show and and it, it just gives an atmosphere that that I can't really explain. Is this a family friendly event, Daryl, or are you advised rather not to bring the kids this time? Um, it's completely up to you. If the weather's nice, I would say bring your kids along. If the weather's not nice, then I would say rather don't. Um, there are jungle gyms, trampolines, and everything at Hartenburg, which makes it very kid-friendly. But obviously, if the weather's terrible, then I would say no. I don't think it's, it's, it's really geared towards kids. And how are tickets going at the moment? Are we okay so far? I mean, if people want to book now, is it too late? No, no, there are still tickets available. There are always tickets available, and we always leave at least 150 for the door. Oh, so there will be some at the door if you don't manage to book them beforehand. I always leave a few for the door. So come early, and, yeah, we'd love to see you there. Okay, and as you said, they're available from web tickets, and they are 180 rand, and that per person, and it includes your entrance fee as well as the wine tastings as well. That's correct. Gosh, it's, it sounds like a wonderful day to be had by all. I mean, gosh, I'm really drooling at the thought of it. So it just sounds like an amazing day. So make a point of booking. And as, as we said, if you can't quite get there, if you, as Capetonians, we always tend to leave things to the last minute, there will still be tickets available at the door if you'd like to make it on that day. It is out in Stellenbosch at Hartenburg Estate. So, and pretty easy to find, Daryl. Whereabouts in Stellenbosch is Hartenburg? Very easy to find. Um, Hartenburg's on the Butleray Road. Um, so you can just type that into your GPS. It is very easy to find. And coming from Cape Town or Durbanville area, it's very quick. I mean, it's just off the N1. Well, sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for telling us about that. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks, Daryl. Have a good evening. You too. Good night. Bye-bye.
Darrell Robertson is the events organiser for this year's Feast of Shiraz and Charcuterie, taking place at Hartenberg Estate in Stellenbosch on Saturday the 7th of June. For more information, you can contact Hartenberg on 021-865-2541, 021-865-2541, or email them on info at hartenbergestate.com. And don't forget, tickets are available at webtickets.co.za. It's 180 rand per person. It includes your entrance fee as well as wine tastings. And if you don't manage to get them off web tickets, there will be a few at the door. But you're taking a chance there, I think, because there are only going to be a maximum. I think Dariel said of about 600 people for the entire event. So if you really do want to go, get your tickets at web tickets as soon as you can. Time to travel with Karen Key. Here's a new voice on the show this evening. It's Will Edgecombe, and he's a freelance writer based in Durban. And uh, I picked up a fascinating story of his in one of the issues of Irresistible Travel Ideas, which you can find out more about them on the website. It's www.travelideas.co.za. And Will wrote a story titled Where the Ghosts Roam. So you can get an idea of what he did and where he went just by the title. Will, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. So, where the ghosts roam, you haven't picked up all of them. I mean, South Africa is laden with ghost stories all over the country, but you've picked out just a few specific places. Let's just talk through some of them. The first one we, you, you focused on was the ghosts of Kimberley. Um, yeah, Kimberley is a, is a pretty creepy place. Red House is probably the most famous ghost house in the country. It's an extremely eerie place. Uh, it, it sort of looks like the, the sets of a horror movie. Um, it's got these sort of deep verandas and rambling buildings. And all sorts of horrible things seem to have happened there. Um, you know, if you go, you might hear glass um, cutlery being thrown about the pantry. There's wailing babies and children. And even photos sort of seem to show up orbs of light, which some people think are sort of ghosts manifesting themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty creepy place. Creepy enough in the day, let alone at night. <laughs> the other place that you mentioned in the article was the Kimberley Club. Apparently, there's a ghostly waiter who still serves in the dining room. Yeah, something like that. And not to mention other ghosts that sort of stalk the passages. And there's the Rhodes boardroom as well. Um, there's sort of a dog that howls, even though there aren't any dogs there. Now, what the other nice thing about your article, and I will put the details up on the Facebook page, is that there's a Kimberley Ghost Trail Tours. Each of the places that you talk about, you give contact details for the, the company that does these tours in these specific places. And in Kimberley, it's the Ghost Kimberley Ghost Trail Tours. The other nice thing that you've done as well, Will, is that you've not just told people about the kind of ghosty places that they can go to. You also tell them other places they can go and also where to stay while they're there. Yeah. So in Kimberley, you recommended the Kimberley Club? Yeah. Um, so that's on the ghost tour as well. Actually, Cecil John Rhodes founded it in the 1880s um, with a bunch of other diamond magnates. It's a great four-star hotel, so don't let the ghost story stay you off going there. Sort of got that old-world charm, um, beautiful restaurants, uh, lovely, lovely place to stay. Um, and in Kimberley, there's actually so much to do there. I suppose people always think, you know, when they're traveling around South Africa, they want to go to Durban or to Cape Town or to Joburg. But there's loads to do in Kimberley, um, loads of great little game reserves in the area. There's obviously the big hall, and that's got a fantastic museum on site as well. Yeah, the big hall is, I think, the one thing that people know about Kimberley. But as you say, there's a whole lot more to Kimberley than just the big hall and the ghosts. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you like small towns, you know, just, you know, in sort of every direction you can drive around and, find some fantastic old places, old sort of railway sidings, and, you know, there's also all sorts of things to see. Right, then you went off to Bloemfontein. What is ghostly about Bloemfontein? (laughs) 
Well, there's, you know, there's, there's sort of less famous stories from Bloom. Well, they seem a bit more sort of terrifying than, than uh, Kimberly's ones. There's this uh, really popular story about this beautiful woman who's dressed in white. And apparently she lives in a mortuary next to the showground. And, uh, if, you know, don't drive drunk anyway, but drunk men don't drive drunk there because uh, she tries to apparently seduce men into driving across a dangerous bridge so that they crash. Um, no one knows why. Some say that it's, you know, her just being malevolent. Some say that it's because she's looking for her killer or looking for someone to join her in the afterlife. Mm. And there's a very famous haunting at uh, Jim Fouchet High School where the remains of a young girl were found in the late 60s. And after her body was discovered, there were all these sorts of creepy things that happened, like doors opening and closing by themselves, um, ghostly singing, lights flickering, you know, that sort of standard ghost stuff. Mm. And the, the the company that takes you around Bloemfontein is Melano um, yes. Ghost Tours. Yeah, they're very interesting. Um, the, the the guy who runs it, Stefan, um, he he says that all sorts of weird things have happened during their ghost tours. So apparently you can sometimes hear a ghostly baby crying. And he even says that one of his guides has been attacked before by malevolent spirits during a, during one of the tours. But there's a, there's a bunch of creepy places in um, Bloemfontein as well. The Naval Hill has a sort of reputation for dead musicians performing their favorite pieces. And, of course, you know, the sort of satanic cult activity, people love sort of railing about that. And sort of Naval Hill is the center of that. You did say in your article that apparently at Naval Hill, people have claimed to have heard a man whispering for them to get out. And you said, I'd take that advice to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't say I'd stick around if I heard that. (laughs) No, No, if he's mentioned leave, I I think I'd also join you and leave very quickly. But the thing I love most about Bloemfontein is that it has this J.R.R. Tolkien connection, author of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I'm passionate about that. And um, there's a hotel as well that's sort of themed after that, the Hobbit Boutique Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Every room is individually decorated and named after one of Tolkien's characters. So it's, it's, it's really, really charming and really nice. Great little place to stay. Yeah, Tolkien lived in Blum until he was three years old. Um, his father died, and then his family had to move to England. And he actually writes his earliest memories were of a hot, dry place. So sort of describes the free mm. state pretty well. I know, he's, he's, as you said, he only lived there until he was three years old. But I tell you, we have claimed him as our own ever since. Yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> definitely. it belongs to us. And it's, I think it's absolutely fabulous. If you're a J.R.R. Tolkien fan or Lord of the Rings fan, this is definitely somewhere to go, the Hobbit Boutique Hotel. And I'll put all those details on the Facebook page so you can have a look. And then you also, I was actually amazed to find out that there's this 250-hectare Franklin Game Reserve right bang smack in the middle of the city. Yeah, it's, you know, it's only one of two cities in the world that has a game reserve in the middle of the city, the other being Hong Kong. You know, so it's amazing that you can sort of do a bit of game spotting with buildings in the background. Oh, but it's a, it's a beautiful place. Naval Hill is actually in the middle of the reserve and has fantastic views of the city. So, yeah, during daylight, it's not creepy at all, and it's a great place to visit. And you can walk around. Um, it's probably best to walk in pairs because of the wild animals, but it's a fantastic place. And then we come to Creepy Cape Town, you've called it. Now, being a Cape Townian born and bred, I mean, I know the stories, and there are loads of them. And you've picked up on some of the more well-known ones in Cape Town. I mean, we've been around since, what, 1652, so we've had a lot of time to pick up some ghost stories here and there. But give us some of the the, the more well-known ones. Well, the Flying Dutchman is probably South Africa's most famous ghost story. It's even really well-known internationally, so... You know, it's that, that ghost ship that sort of floats around the Cape. You know, there's been so many independent sightings of it. Even King George V claimed to have seen it. 
and he he wrote about the experience. And sort of legend has it that the undead captain keeps trying to flag ships down to pass uh, letters home. But if you accept the letters, uh, you're doomed, basically. Oh, charming. Well, glad, glad yeah. I'm, I'll stay off the sea for a bit then. Thank you. If yeah, you next time a... you're in your yacht, you know, yeah. just oh. stay clear. Like I have one of those, but you know, <laughs> if I ever find myself on one, I'll yeah I'll keep a lookout for the Flying Dutchman and give it a wide berth. Um, and then Rusten Frucht, it's an art museum in Batenkant Street, um, near the Parliamentary Buildings. It's also one of these ghostly places. Yeah, and you know there's been loads of accounts of you know people hearing footsteps when there's no one there. There's apparently a woman who sort of drifts between all of the rooms. There's a sort of forlorn ghost who tends to stare out of an upstairs window. So sort of nothing too malevolent there, but but creepy nonetheless. And then Simonstown, I've heard about this one. This is a very strange one in the Simonstown Museum. Yes, the the haunted painting that, mm. um, you know, if you take a photo, the photo won't develop. Yeah, um, mm. I'd love to try that out myself. Yeah. <laughs> Something I've been meaning to do for a while. I think I'll take a trip out there and go and try that. And then the other thing, I mean, as well, with well, a company that does this, first of all, is called Around the Cape in 80 Ways. And uh, one of the highlights of their tours is a, a trip to the castle, which is one of my favorite places in Cape Town. Now that, you've mentioned a couple of the, of, of the ghost stories from there, but there are so many ghost stories from the castle. It's quite alarming, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you think it's such a beautiful name, the Castle mm. of Good Hope, but it has quite a dark past. You know, there's the, the Dunkerhut, that windowless cell where you know, people were tortured, uh, prisoners were tortured, and uh, there were also loads of executions that happened there over the years. So, you know, there's a, there's a good couple of creepy stories. One of the, the creepiest is this large black hound that sort of pounces at people before vanishing, you know, which can't be too pleasant. There's also a guard who hung himself with the rope of the castle bell a couple hundred years ago. And people sort of speculate that it's his ghost that rings that bell and can be seen on the battlements every now and again. And there's also the lady in white who sort of walks around in that sort of bell tower thing as the sort of near the entrance of the castle. Yeah. There's that. There's also a story of of, of, a, of a governor or one of the no, not a governor. He was sort of in charge of the castle, but he was not a very pleasant man, and uh, he died, I think, at his desk. And apparently, he also still wanders about. Yeah. Apparently, people so. hear him cursing. He mm. was extremely unpopular. So uh, yeah. They sort of think he was poisoned or something. Yes, uh, he, he, I think it was, a, you know, they, they weren't too sorry, by all accounts, to <laughs> see the end sure of him. And, they uh, probably didn't investigate it too closely. I, I, I don't think so, not by what I've read. But, uh, yeah, so the castle is known to be full of these ghosts. And if you want to find out more, you can, the, the, Around the Cape in 80 Ways does tours of the castle, and I'm sure they'll tell you lots of those stories. And then what, my one of my favorite places to stay, not that I've stayed there, but I've been to have a look at it, and you suggested this as, as a place to go off and sleep if, if you can as you like to say, is the Airstream Rooftop Trailer Park. Yeah, I mean, these, these trailers are amazing. Um, they have a sort of sister hotel in the Elgin Valley. Mm. Um, you know, beautifully in, uh, individually decorated Airstream trailers. You know, the sort of silver bullet trailers from the States. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. And I mean, to sort of stay on the top of a building in the CBD is, you know, there's, there's not much else like it. The other fun thing about, just for people who don't know about this, it's it's, it's this... As we, as we said, it's the Airstream Rooftop Trailer Park. But what they do in summer, they have movies up there, and they have this fake grass. It's all very kitsch, but it's fabulous. And they have this sort of outdoor movie screen, and you can go and sit there and watch a movie on the roof, and you get all the popcorn and the candy, as if you were back in the 50s watching sort of drive-in movie type things. So you can go and do that as well. You don't have to be staying there to do that. You can just go off there and spend the evening watching. You have to book, obviously, but you can go and spend the evening watching a movie up there on this fake grass, watching the movie and eating popcorn and eating candy as if you were back in the 50s. 50s. Yeah, fantastic experience. I mean, I miss the drive-in. Uh, yeah. We don't have one in Durban anymore, and I no. think it's sort of dropped off 
the map everywhere else as well. No, we don't have a drive-in in Cape Town, as far as I know, anymore either. But, um, yeah, you can go and do it on top of the roof now at, at, the, at the um Airstream trailer park. And then the last place that you picked up in your article was Prince Albert. Yeah, I mean, it's such a beautiful little town, sort of right at the foot of the Swartberg Mountains. Also very old. It's 250-odd years old. So, you know, they've had plenty of time to develop a couple of good ghost stories. But, you know, it's a friendly little town, and it seems like the ghosts just... They're as friendly as the people who live there now, and they just sort of didn't want to leave, I suppose. So there's a fantastic little tour that you can do there where you can um, meet some of these famous ghosts. There's the bride who was killed in a cart accident the day before her wedding. Um, there's an elderly gentleman who waves to pretty ladies from the veranda of a house, and a young woman who bounces on a bed in her nighty. So nothing too terrifying there. So these are all friendly. As you said, they're possibly a resident who didn't want to leave because it is a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. And I think it's Elsa Tudhope who does that. And the company there is Prince Albert Ghost Walk. And uh, as I said, I'll leave all those those details there as well. And then you also mentioned where to stay while you're there. Yes, Myers Guest House. Lovely little place. Uh, comfortable accommodation. You know, classic small-town hospitality. Um, they have a lovely little terrace uh, where you can take your meals. So sort of, you know, that classic small-town B&B with individual service and lovely owners. We often talk to the people in Prince Albert because they're forever having something like an olive festival or something happening at the cooking school out there. And and uh, it's one of those places where so much you can go and enjoy while you're there. It's not sort of big city life, but there's wonderful sort of country life things to do. Yeah, you know, if you love the outdoors, um, there's, there's loads of sort of nature trails. You know, if you're a hardcore hacker, that's, that's one thing. You can do quite a lot of that. But, you know, just a, a, a little stroll through... Um, the Swartberg Nature Reserve. Even just walking about town is a fantastic way to spend the day. And there's there's a berry that um, creates these amazing cheeses, which is worth checking out. And then obviously wine farms, olives, figs, um, they've got it all. And um, one of the things, I, I've done this on a number of occasions, but please do it in good weather because in, in cloudy weather, it's quite unnerving because the cloud comes quite low over the mountain, is to take a drive over the Swartberg um, Pass, which is quite something. It's an amazing drive. Yeah, fantastic view. Obviously, take it slowly and, and be careful. But, um, you know, especially in that area, there's so many amazing drives. You know, it's, you know, sort of getting there really is half the fun. So if, you, if you've got a nice car and you like driving, it's a fantastic place to go. Absolutely. Well, it's been quite a, a trip around the country with you and all these ghostly people and ghostly figures that seem to be uh, joining us on a daily basis wherever we're going here. And you said there's lots of places and this is the kind of thing you enjoy doing. There's a lot of these tours that happen all over the country and I'll put all the contact details for you on the Facebook page. Um, Will, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and hopefully it won't be the first and last time. Hopefully we'll, you'll join us again in not too distant future. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for your time. I was chatting there with Will Edgecombe and he's a freelance writer based in Durban and his article Where the Ghosts Roam was published in the summer 2014 edition of Irresistible Travel Ideas and to find out more about what's in the mag and what's coming up, what's been there, you can have a look at the website. It's www.travelideas.co.za First, it was the first democratic elections in 1994. The President of the Republic of South Africa Mr. Nelson Kholishasa Mandela. The time for the healing of the wounds has come. The 2010 FIFA World Cup. We are proud. We are proud of Africa. The 2010 FIFA World Cup will be organized in South Africa. Then, a South African winning an Oscar. 
And the Oscar goes to... Charlize Theron. I'm going to thank everybody in South Africa, my home country. And I'm bringing this home. Our democracy did not come cheap. SFM celebrates 20 years of inspiration. Let us all reflect on how our freedom was achieved. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Time to travel with Karen Key. And just two things before I go. The first is if you missed this earlier, I just wanted to warn you that I was advised on a travel advisory that as of yesterday morning, tourists who are favoring Thailand for their dream getaway have been warned that the army has declared martial law. And as a result, soldiers have taken over the mass media and have also blocked several roads in Bangkok and its surroundings. And um, if you're planning on going there, or if you thought about leaving, or if you're literally about to get on a plane, I suggest you contact your local travel agent or somebody that's going to be able to tell you exactly what the state of play is there at the moment. I don't think you want to land in Bangkok and uh, there's martial law declared and there's soldiers running around in the streets. It could be a little bit scary. So rather make inquiries before you go. The second thing I wanted to just mention to you again before I left was the My Town feature. I'm asking you to let me know about where it is you live or maybe where you've been somewhere in South Africa that you found to be absolutely fabulous. It doesn't have to be a huge sort of tourist attraction place. It can be a small thing that really appealed to you that you would like to share. So if you'd like to do that, just let me know where it was you went or where it is you live and the thing that you want to tell me about and give me some information and then maybe you would like to join us on the show to tell the rest of the listeners about it or if you don't want to do that you can tell me at least who I could speak to or I could make make the inquiries once you tell me about the place. So just nice to share some of South Africa and to become as I always like to tell you tourists in our own town. It's as I said fabulous to go overseas and uh, we have lots of people who travel and do that and I travel vicariously through them. Lots of interesting people that travel to the most amazing places and come and tell us about it on the show but traveling around South Africa we all do that and find some amazing little places that maybe aren't that well known. So do let me know about that. You can just drop me an email to travel at safm.co.za. Let me know about what it is that you think would really appeal to the rest of the listeners or people that, that are exploring South Africa maybe miss this thing, this really interesting little thing. And also just to tell you what's coming up on the show next week, it's a bit of a foodie show next week. We're going to be exploring food routes. There'll be a cook in Franschhoek, which is a big festival that's coming up there. We can go foraging for mushrooms. That happens every year at Delheim Wine Estate, and it's a fabulous event. And that's coming up again quite soon. So we'll be chatting to them about that. And then we'll also be taking a look at the TripAdvisor Trip Barometer, and that talks about sort of travel and tourism figures and South Africa by all accounts is doing incredibly well. We seem to be quite flavor of the month these days, which is rather nice. Well, that's it for me this week for Time to Travel and me, Karen Key. Thanks for joining us. And a reminder that if you need any information about something you've heard on the show this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to travel on SAFM or email me on travel at safm.co.za. And I'll be back with you next Monday evening just after nine with a law report. And being the last Monday of the month, I'll be joined in studio by attorney Ishmael Mohammed for our monthly program on property law. That's the Law Report next Monday, the 26th of May.